0: Talk, talk to me wsradio.com welcome to computer and technology radio with your hosts Mark Cohen and Marsha Collier hey there it's a new week and this is Marsha Collier uh, Mark Cohen isn't with us this week because he had some family stuff he had to do and you know we all need to take time for us in these times Get your head together and be happy. Not a whole lot of things happened in tech this week. It was a whole lot of the Olympics, and I just got. Well, before I go into this, I'm going to introduce my guest because I'm Ray. I'm going to want to ask you to chime in on a couple of these pop culture things. I've got Ray Wong, the author of Everybody Wants to Rule the World, and we're going to talk about his book in the mi- in a minute. Uh, Ray is the founder, chairman, and principal analyst of Constellation Research, which is a research and advisory firm which studies disruptive business. Not only disruptive business, but technology trends. And I have worked with Ray, and he's amazing. He's brilliant. He's also the co-host and co-founder of Disrupt TV, which is a weekly webcast that averages, ready, 50,000 views per episode. And he's the author of another book called Software Insider's Point of View. So we're going to talk to Ray about his book and who wants to rule the world and how it's going to affect all of us. But in the meanwhile, hey, Ray, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing? I mean, it's amazing. I can't believe we're in the middle of summer and it's August. So.
0: Oh Well, you know, and we were, I was just going to say, talking about the Olympics. Have you been watching the Olympics?
1: You know, I've watched some of it. It's not like before where it's like everywhere around you. Right. People are just dying to get out. And so they're not, they're kind of looking at it in the side. They're kind of watching the headlines. But I mean, look at, I mean, we've got some record breakers going on. We've got, and
0: and it's so, but it's so disjointed and it's on so many different channels that it's really, I mean, in the old days, (laughs) the old days, two years ago, you used to be able to look at a list of things and know what time you were going to see what on what channel and where. Now it just seems like a disjointed mishmash, and I really can't follow it. I enjoy the events that I see, but it just doesn't have the same continuity to me that it used to have. And and that, to me, can't be the fault of COVID. I think that's kind of somebody's new idea of broadcasting.
1: It is the storyline isn't there? Um, there, you know, the, the individual like you know success stories aren't being told consistently, right? You don't have that one stream where everybody's watching, and we should all be watching it on, you know, like I think NBC is the sponsor of this, right? You right. Know, they're hosting the event, and, and they, they shouldn't sh-
0: this, be charging extra. By no. the way, <laughs> this, no. this is the Olympics.
1: <laughs> I mean, they already won the rights. So they already run the commercials. I mean, it should all be paid for. It's it's just crazy. So.
0: so yeah, I think that's terrible, and just. Uh, to let some of our listeners know and remind you that if you have one of the early Kindles, they're not going to work. Uh, the, the ones that went over the 3G networks and did not access on Wi-Fi, they're not going to work. You should have gotten an email from Amazon, which, by the way, I did not. Um, they're offering coupons to buy a new one. And those who had the original one like I do, uh can get not only a coupon for 50 about $50 off but they're giving a free Kindle Oasis 10th generation device and cover uh to first generation owners who have logged in between January 1st and June 30th 2021 now i don't think that's particularly fair because let's face it how often do you log into that kindle but just know they are offering this, a free Kindle oasis, I'd give Amazon customer service a call and, you know, push a little there because it's definitely, if the original one is not going to work, which I do use rarely, occasionally, but uh, yeah, get on Amazon customer service. And just so you know, if you're using any of the older Android devices, okay, I'm talking really old, 2.3.7 gingerbread, But like we talk about on the show, you can use old phones and old tablets for so many things, security cameras, um, alarm clocks, music stations. Uh, Bottom line, you won't be able to sign into Google services from the 27th of September on. And that's because, Ray, I guess they're not updating it. And th- isn't this another way where people are buying devices and they think they own them and then all of a sudden they don't because they these two examples, they just don't work anymore?
1: Isn't yeah, I mean, you know, we're seeing a lot of that, right? I mean, it's the old version of automobiles and planned obsolescence, and what's happening is, you know, I mean, you, you buy a device, you hope to keep it for quite some time, you know, whether it's personal reasons, environmental reasons, commercial reasons, uh, economic reasons, and you know, and and you know, they just they just they're non at some time, at a point in time, and so the refresh cycles are what's driving that, and sometimes you lose a feature, but you know, you want to keep your content, so exactly.
0: Exactly, and use it as a camera if you if you just liked it and enjoyed using that camera. Why shouldn't you be able to use that? But that's a whole other right-to-repair discussion. Um, I have a 1985 Corvette. The, the, pri- the, yeah, the price keeps going up and up on. You know, I drive it once a month. uh <laughs> stop um, driving it. <laughs> well, it's, it's got like 45,000 miles, and it's gold with a tricot paint. It's gorgeous. But, uh, yeah, so I believe in not just tossing older stuff. There's ways to use it and ways to save our environment. And, unfortunately, millennials totally get that, but Gen Z is not so much into the green part of technology. And I think that's an important thing, too. What do yeah, you think? We're missing
1: correct? some of that. You know, we, we definitely are. I mean, take take this whole notion of Energy Star appliances, right? It's kind of a scam, right? All, appliances are now only built for Oh, explain that years. to me because, like, <laughs> I
0: look for Energy Star appliances. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, well, no, here, here's the scammy part about it, right? So someone decided that it was more environmental to have you know, appliances get replaced every 10 years uh, instead of every 20 or 30 years because they thought the efficiency from electricity, the efficiency from all that stuff, outweighed the cost of manufacturing and recycling. And so, when you buy, no matter what brand you have, these things are only designed to last 10 years now, right? So even if you buy the best brand, you're, you'll be lucky to get 12 years out of it. The compressor will mm-hmm. die, and then you're forced to buy a new one, right? But instead of building a product that could last 20, 30 years, right, and not have to go through that manufacturing cycle another time, not have to go go through the waste, not to have to go through, you know, the disposal, they think it's actually more environmentally friendly for you to use, you know, something that might consume less energy versus the manufacturing costs on the input end, right? So it's, it's messed up. It doesn't make sense. Like you do the math, you are like that doesn't make any sense.
0: And and when you do the math also, and believe me, I'm pro green energy, uh, absolutely pro green energy, but do you wonder why the outages happen always after 5 p.m.? And that's because the sun goes down. And a lot of places have just crossed out using alternative energy. When you look at the amount of damage, let's say California does the atmosphere, and compare it to some com- countries in Asia or in Europe, I mean, come on, we're, we're doing next to nothing. So, you know, maybe keeping some of the old technology as a backup, because I don't know anybody who does their laundry after 5 p.m. You know, they do cocktails. (laughs) They want air conditioning and cocktails.
1: You know, the, the the energy thing is interesting, right? You got to have baseline energy and different baseline sources. And I think what we haven't realized is like, yeah, you, you could decide to go all green, but if you don't have the baseline energy, none of this works, right? And, and part of the thing is like, you can get much more efficient with burning some carbon because we actually have 400 years worth of oil and right? most people like, don't realize that. But if we get more efficient at burning the oil at the same time as we get more efficient at using like alternative energy, then we don't waste things like lithium ion. We don't waste things. Right. I mean, like, you know, the way we, you, the way we actually build a, you know, a hydro plant today, or the way we actually build a solar panel today, it's going to be very different than 20 years from now. We're going to be super more, we're going to be more efficient and we're going to be a lot, we're going to be able to use less materials to get there. And that's, that's really what we hope to see.
0: And the disposal of the batteries, Uh, a friend of mine who has had a recycling business, he's very green on Twitter. He's CEO, Mr. Green. Um, He's had a recycling business for years, and he ended up uh, spending time in federal penitentiary for repairing and reselling laptops and reinstalling Windows. But the computers had the seal on them that said, you know, Windows is in this computer, which technically is the license for the device. But Microsoft pressed charges against them and said no. He spent a short time in federal prison, but now he's got a business where he's recycling batteries because uh, Tesla really doesn't do a great job at that. So he's got a factory right near here and uh, very successful at it. There's a lot of recycling that has to be done with green energy. And plus... Um, I have some people out taking photographs for me for a story I'm going to do eventually, is when you go to the Tesla charging stations, if you look in the distance, there's an old-fashioned generator. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have to have it, and nobody talks about it. And and like you just said, a combination of thoughtful use of older energy technologies – would be great for the environment and great for the people. But unfortunately, the digital giants, as you put it, push things on us and are taking over. So I would love for you to talk a little bit, no, a lot about your book, why you wrote it. And we've talked about some of those things before. And I don't know if in the book you address the point of how your data should belong to you because that's something we've discussed. And that's, you know, another thing just like the appliances and everything else that really doesn't belong to you. If someone decides to use it, it's theirs. And and that's yeah. really tough.
1: You know, Marsha, you're completely right. And, you know, let me start with the premise of the book. So, so the book is Everybody Wants to Rule the World. And part of it was we talked about digital transformation in 2010. I wrote a book in 2015 that kind of encapsulated a lot of things that we were doing here at Constellation Research. Um, and then, you know, we looked forward. We're like, it's 2018. What's going on? How are people doing? And it turns out that digital transformation wasn't enough. Some people put digital channels in. They kind of got their digital business models. But the rubber didn't hit the road until the pandemic, the pandemic hit And people are like, oh, wait, we actually have to make money on this stuff. And so the monetization (laughs) models hit, and suddenly it it all made sense. Uh, And people realized how far behind they were or what they needed to do to get ahead, and all those things kind of occurred. And so the book starts out by talking about, like, what are these new class of companies, these digital giants? Why are they so successful? I mean, think about this. In 2017, the combined market cap of, you know, the FANGs and Microsoft, so Facebook, Amazon, Google, Netflix. Explain FANGs. Facebook, Amazon, Alphabet, Netflix, Google, that's the Fang plus Microsoft. So it's an
0: acronym for the big tech companies.
1: Yes. And you know, if you looked at their market cap valuation at that time in twenty seventeen there were two trillion. Now when you're a company that big, people think you're gonna get lazy, you're gonna fail, you're gonna get sloppy, you can't grow anymore, you can't grow at, you know, forty to fifty percent rates. But au contraire. And yet. Um,
0: and yet. <laughs> Whoa. Exactly.
1: You know, like in 20, like think about it. We look at the stock market cap today, right? Those five companies are $10 trillion. Right. So they they basically quintupled in four years, right? And it just defeats all signs of like any possibility of like, you know, like, you know, this makes no sense, like this has never happened before. I mean, but it's the most efficient extreme version of capitalism. It works. This model is amazing, right? And so the question is, who are the next set of digital giants? How do you compete with the digital giants? And then of course, right, when the cost benefit analysis kicks in and, and how do you regulate digital giants when they get lazy or they start stifle competition or they raise prices or you know, they keep keep you know companies from being formed, okay. right?
0: So Ray, they've they've become this valuable. And they've obviously become this valuable on the backs of human beings. What have they done? How is it that Google, Facebook and Amazon became so big and how does that affect their customers?
1: The bottom line is we didn't put a value on our personal data. That, that's the bottom line. We, we yeah. traded our data, we traded that for the ability to actually search for something quicker, uh, the ability to have an ad given to you, the ability to find something on a map, uh, the ability to actually translate automatically, the ability to, you know, try out com- cloud computing technologies, the ability to get to AI. Like all these things were built on data and these were, it was mostly a lot of your personal data. Well, um, you know, it's so, like
0: Microsoft 365, for example. A lot of people are using it. It's getting a big push. Everybody thinks it's the hot new deal. Let's use it. It's cool. It's bu- and I'm a, not a Luddite. I buy a copy of Microsoft Office for every computer that I own. And, and that's quite a few. Because my job is based on those uh, different programs. And I don't want, as there have been, uh, shutdowns, oops, blurps, um, oh, it's not available now, oops, we lost your files, oops this, oops that, and that does happen. It doesn't get as much publicity as one thinks. And still, for people and businesses, and it's obvious because the businesses who have had You know, the cyber attacks where their files have been locked up. The ones, like I believe it was Bose, who had full backups that were done every half hour, were able to shut everything down and get past and unlock their systems. That people need to remember that you need local backups for everything you're doing. And don't keep them plugged in all the time, because if you leave them plugged in all the time when your computer is on and it's connected to the Internet, then it's accessible. So there are a lot of steps people can do to protect their own security, because like you said, they are just getting rich off the backs of people, small businesses. Oh, my God. Think of Amazon and the FBA, FBA being uh, where they have small sellers selling on Amazon. It's a lot of things to do
1: Well, give so, a great example of how this works good. right? Uh, in terms of a next set of digital giants um, for example, you know Like we, we usually use Domino's Pizza as an example of an amazing company. They've won the battle for digital transformation You can order pizza like 17 18 different ways order on Alexa, right? They tell you like the pizzas in the oven they tell it's ten minutes away. Tell it's five Don't minutes. Don't you away. love
0: that doesn't uh, f- from a consumer and a customer experience? Uh, side doesn't that make you smile when you've ordered a it pizza? Does.
1: It does. And you it's see, full Jose just put your
0: pizza in the oven. Woohoo! Yeah. The, go, Jose! You know? Yeah.
1: No, and it's amazing because it tells you like how far away it is. You take a picture of the pizza, you send it back to them. Their AI bot can tell you the quality of the franchisee. So, so it's, it's wild. They won the battle, right? But during the pandemic, what happened? Um, I know more people ordered pizza, but think about small businesses and small restaurants. And what did they do? They couldn't do delivery right and mm-hmm. they were barely keeping up trying to take phone orders and fax orders and maybe they got an email ordering app and so what they ended up doing was they all signed up for Uber Eats or Postmates or Grubhub or you know you know DoorDash but here's what happened they gave up their customers to the delivery services
0: that's right
1: and, and the delivery services
0: cou- are often making more profit than yes. the restaurants and, themselves
1: and so five things occurred and this is what digital giants do the first one is they they take customers back. So it's customer account control disintermediation. They own the customer. So these small businesses gave up their customers so that these folks could get delivery out the door. And so the food delivery apps took their customers, took the payment information, and started tracking the transaction data because now they go there first to order. They don't go to the restaurant. They go to the food delivery apps as an aggregator. The second thing happened is they took that data and started figuring out, hey, this zip code likes Italian food more than Mexican. And this one likes more Thai food than chinese right. right and they were able to start optimizing routes so they use the data to actually build some information and insight And how and about ghost it. kitchens and then of course they started figuring Let's out explain how to maximize what, ghost kitchens
0: what ghost kitchens are
1: and ghost kitchens are great right ghost kitchens are basically you have one big restaurant one big warehouse one big kitchen that actually puts up seven, eight, maybe multiple sets of menus and restaurant fronts, so it looks yeah. like you have, you're ordering from all these different places, but it's I think of it kitchen. like
0: when you're at the airport, and you're in the food court at the airport, and you know, you've got this one there, and you've got Burger King there, and you've got this one there, and they're all in this giant warehouse, and people need to understand that the food now is probably no longer made in the local restaurant, you know, if they can afford to be part of a ghost uh, kitchen. And mm-hmm. also, just just so people know, most local restaurants, especially now, look them up on Google, see if they take ordering. Now, you'll see the all the different services, but try calling the restaurant directly to pick up, and you'll be surprised. They will be so grateful because they won't be giving away 30% of their profit.
1: And it'll be cheaper for you as well. It'll right. It'll be cheaper for you. But right. what happened was, you know, not only did they take, they take that information, they started aggregating the customers. And so we went from restaurants of hundreds to a thousand customers. These folks now have millions of customers in the network. And so now they can monetize ads. I can monetize search, you know, promotions, goods, memberships, subscriptions. And here's the kicker. These food delivery app companies can lose hundreds of millions of dollars while building right. market share. Um, mm-hmm. And Domino's Pizza can't. Right. And so, so here you have, like this is the disintermediation. Every one of these digital giants does. They disintermediate the customer account control, they build the largest network, they compete on data, they apply digital monetization, and they have a long-term mindset. And those five things all come together. And um, they and have the money for the
0: long-term mindset. Which they do. They the, have the money. money is what's important.
1: They have the money to get to the escape velocity, which allows them to grow to the scale they need to be able to take everyone else out. And and that's what's going on, right? And so we realize that you know companies that are doing digital don't really understand that the game has changed. The game has really changed, and if you don't watch what's happening, you'll actually get caught in the crossfire.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm just writing a book, uh, plug here, uh, Android smartphones for seniors in the for dummies series. That's coming out November 9th on oh, Amazon. Wow. Um, but as I've been writing that, you know, and I'm trying to educate people in the privacy and what you give away. Did you know, I believe it was twenty eighteen, there was a study done with college students and they were brought in and told, We have a new app, you know, we'd like you to test it out, let us know what you think about it. you know, the typical thing you'd tell someone for a test on an app. Mm-hmm. So they went through and they all downloaded it and they played with it and the whole thing. And in the end, the real purpose of the study was they asked, did you read the terms of service? Nobody no. read the no. terms of service. No. And who, you know reads what? reads
1: TOS? No one reads but the TOS.
0: <laughs> in that terms of service, it gave away their first child. And if that didn't happen within five years, there was a penalty. And <laughs> their income for so many years, Love and I, I talk about this in the book, um, reading terms of service... Even though we don't want to read them, I just click away from a website. I just don't do business with people who don't give clear information on what they plan to do with my data. Um, I won't say which DNA company came to me and wanted me to be like a spokesperson for them. And I said, I understand what's in your terms of service today, but once you have someone's DNA you can change those terms of service. And they are retroactive. So people really have no control over their privacy. And another thing, when you go to a doctor and all of a sudden they ask you to sign up through a portal, you are losing data to the company that owns the portal. Every business that has a finger in your data takes a slice. It's just like a big pizza right? I mean, they take a little here, a little there. And eventually, like Ray says, if you're not paid, if you don't get enough for your data, you're just another number.
1: You know, let's, let's go back to that point, right? So one of the things that we talk about in the book that's so important is this notion of personal data as a property, right? And it is so important because these companies are trading on that data. So just think about it. like when you buy a house, you get a land title, right? So that's your property, right? When you um, come up with an idea or an invention, you get a patent and a trademark and that protects your intellectual property for some time. There's nothing for your personal data, right? Your DNA, your genomics, um, your digital exhaust, all the you know, stuff that you put into the web and personal identifiable information like your name, your address, your phone number, um, your preferences, what you've purchased. That stuff needs to be protected that should we should be making personal private data you know as a property right and when you do that that means governments companies they all need your consent before they do something with you and there's a opportunity for value exchange right they pay you for something Um, and and that's really missing but if you do that you don't have to change a lot of the laws we already have laws for property rights we just have to apply it to the digital world and i think that's probably the most important thing that should be in play
0: yeah you're absolutely right and People need to know this. I mean, businesses know it, but businesses are all scrambling for their piece of the pizza. It's how people react to these terms of services. And stop doing business if you're not comfortable. I mean, I have called doctor's offices and said, no, I'm not signing up for your portal. You can email me results of tests. It's real simple. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so, um, yes, I know my email goes through Gmail. And, yes, I know then Google can scan it and know everything. But, you see, I've already given up to Google. I already know that Google has a great deal of my data. And why not? I'm keeping it in one locker. And whether I trust Google or I don't trust Google, I'm not spreading it out to other places. And I keep Amazon to a real low in my house i just have one alexa in the kitchen which i never use except kind of like a radio and i have nest thermostats that's it wow
1: i don't have any of those everything in my house is like hard hard hardwired and uh well explain
0: to people yeah hardwired is important why i listen to a a radio you know they still make them and and they're very cheap so ray tell me why your house is hardwired
1: It's hardwired because it's safer because if you have a Wi-Fi network, most people can kind of like, you know, hack in the Wi-Fi network. We have Wi-Fi networks, you know, to log in on stuff. But most of the major things that we need, you know, whether you have a security system or whether you have, you know, a connection to, you know, the the internet or to a storage system. I mean, everything is hardwired. It's just, it's more reliable.
0: It's faster. You know, it's funny you mentioned security system. When I had to renew my contract with ADT, in my house, I have like this insane security system. I mean, okay, it's overkill. It's insane overkill. You open a door, a chime goes off. You open a window, a chime goes off. There are alarms in the screens in the windows. Oh, so you did if somebody screens. Oh, yeah. This, so if somebody cuts a screen, the alarm goes off. Yep, yep, so yep. then ADT comes in, and you know they're working with Google now. And they're trying to sell me a different technology that goes through Wi-Fi. And I said, no, no, this works. I mean, I I do have some RF in my system, which is radio frequency that could be replaced easily uh, because it was just too difficult to wire in those spots. But... Think about when you're upgrading your devices and your appliances, you really do not need a screen in your refrigerator to show you menus and recipes. (laughs) You really don't. Because in five years, you're going to look at that and say, why do I have this old-fashioned screen in my refrigerator that's taking up space on both sides? Think about it when you put all the new technology into your home, whether you're really going to benefit from it or not. Uh, Dish Network does its own network within the house. So from device to device on the different TVs, it mirrors in its own. Only uh, once I go to, uh, what is it, an Amazon Fire Stick that carries those apps, does it go into the regular internet. But it's an in-house internet, kind of. So, you know, people should think about when they do their houses and how these big companies are grabbing the data, what they can do to protect themselves. And I think it's your a, high, hardwired solution is brilliant.
1: <laughs> you know, hardwire is important. I think the important thing also is like, don't give out your number unless you really have to, right? I mean, if there's some things that are convenient that you're doing it. I mean, we're trading privacy every day. We're trading it Well, you know, my,
0: my phone number that I give out on my QR code, et cetera, is a Google voice number. My other numbers are private. The only ones that have it maybe is my doctor or something like that and my lawyer. But Google Voice is my window to the world. That's about it. And people can get a free Google Voice phone number that will forward to any of your numbers. It's great. You get voicemail. You get all the information. It's free. Yeah, and you are giving the data to Google. But like I said... Make a choice to who you're giving up data to. simple
1: yeah no you definitely have to do that and you know the, the google voice numbers one way you know when you sign up for things use trackers what i do is i use address line number two <laughs> and address line number two is great yeah. you put like care Me of too. where you got the information from and it's cool because like you know where yeah. you got pirated so i did this the capital one once by accident um, really? but for fun and, and so they're like well we didn't spam you i'm like well the email says care of capital one junk mail and i put that into address line two. so something's wrong <laughs> with your lists <laughs> right, so so you can track like that. that, you know. You see, and and the other ways, yeah. Go get ahead. Get a junk email address too. Get a junk email address. Yep. Right for things that you have, you're being forced to sign up. Right. So that's the other thing. Right. That's the second thing I, I wish we will put into future legislation. And you know, like, I'll be honest. Look, I'm a free market capitalist. I don't believe in a lot of regulations, only the ones that are necessary. But but in this case, in consumer protection, there's some things you do have to do. And and so what I really believe is that we should have the right. Um, Not to be connected. Right. And what I mean by that is you should still be able to pay in cash. You should still be able to ask for a physical letter that's sent to you. Right. And and not be treated any differently.
0: Yeah. Um, But the problem is the way our now we're going to talk about uh, philosophy of our society. But the underbanked, the people, you know how hard they make it to get a bank account. I mean, people argue that showing your driver's license when you vote is a bad thing. I mean, you get a colonoscopy when you want to open a bank account. So they make it really hard for the underbank to have a bank account and pay in cash. And we are shutting them out of the marketplace.
1: We're shutting them out of the marketplace that way. And that's why it's important to make sure people have the right to pay in cash, the right not to be connected, the right for a physical address to be sent if needed. Uh, And and you also want to make it easier for people to get access to banking as well. There are different ways to do that. But, uh, you know. It, there's, there's actually in the book. There's actually one idea um, that actually shows how you can actually take a loyalty program, convert it, and actually make it into something much bigger than it is. So I, I'll share it with you if we've got time. So
0: no, we have time. Please do share it with, because you know, hey, Paul knows. We I gave him the four one one when we started that we were going to talk until <laughs> we finished. <laughs>
1: Ah, well in this case, okay, here's something crazy. So about four and a half years ago, I wanted to buy Air Canada's mileage program. And it sounds crazy, like what do you do with the mileage program? Well, it was 400 million bucks for 10 million flyers. It's $40, you know, per flyer. And the reason that's interesting to me is airline programs are great. It's tax-free, cross-border, value exchange. It's funded at a penny a mile. You redeem, you know, airline points for 1.6 cents a mile. Uh, so a 25,000 mile ticket is worth about $400. So if you're gonna redeem the ticket and it says hey you can fly anywhere for 25,000 miles if the tickets worth more than 400 bucks use the points if it's not right paying cash right, right. that's kind of how it works and if you buy magazines it's a redemption at oh that's ridiculous
0: mile. do not use the Home Depot coupons <laughs> do not do any of that you're just pissing away your miles folks you, got, you are use, it for, air, use, it, for use it for air travel use it for travel use it for upgrades
1: and if you're dumb enough to buy electronics, jewelry, or sporting equipment, that's two and a half cents a mile, right? So bad deal. Right? Bad deal. So, but the catalogs are so sexy, Marsha. I mean, everybody right, wants cat- to buy these d- things. D-
0: but, you know, and they, this is why I'm so... No one so, ever does conversion. <laughs> right. I'm so pushed on doing the consumerism of technology because people have to know. And maybe when I finish your book, uh, I might uh, branch off of it and do something in another direction and of course give credit to the great thoughts of ray wong because
1: (laughs) (laughs) well well, here's the thing right so so you don't lose money on mileage programs but cfos hate mileage programs they're liability in the book like vacation days so like oh this is awful i don't want to carry this but banks pay tens of millions of dollars every year for those rewards points for their credit cards so here's what i wanted to do i i'm not as interested in the 10 million flyers of Air Canada, what I'm really interested in is the 762 million star alliance members. And so imagine if I turned that into a cryptocurrency, I'm funded on day one. Every point has been allocated for at a penny per mile. I would be able to take travel, retail, media, entertainment, and banking and collapse them all into the world's largest network. So on day one, we'd have the world's largest network and the world's largest cryptocurrency. Day two, we'd have the world's largest ad network cookie apocalypse go away we're first party data in but here's the thing with the unbanked on day three 2.2 billion people who have access who don't have banking services today but have access to a mobile device will suddenly have a currency and a program for them so that they can actually transact without having to go under the tyranny of a bank and and on day four i can get rid of the global distribution system and on day five we're the world's largest currency like, okay, so when are do. you this setting the up this consortium?
0: Because <laughs> I think this is brilliant, Ray. I love it.
1: I'll take any takers. We were talking to a number of folks, but that's the idea. That's the concept behind it, right? To take a loyalty program and turn it into much more. And that's how you build digital giants, right? But here we can do something for good. We can take the unbanked and put them into the marketplace. You will now get ads, but they'll pay you for the ads, right? Um, and more importantly, you'll actually have access to a cryptocurrency that won't lose value, which allow you to transact anywhere around the world without a foreign reserve. It's no foreign exchange required. So Wow.
0: Yeah. I love it. That's genius. I, I, You know, I think that people are trying to sell all different kinds of coins. And you've seen this, the personalized coins, and we're not mentioning people or anybody in specific. But, you know, that's kind of like gotten watered down. But this plan of yours is really a way to change the world. And I think it's brilliant. And please, please, please keep me posted on this so I can spread the word for you because this could be the answer to a whole lot
1: oh it's going to change a lot i mean and and what we're really trying to do is take the technology empower people not enslave them i think that's the important piece right and i think you talk about this too i mean it's we want to use technology for good we don't want technology to be something that comes back and bites you and and keeps you beholden to something else
0: exactly so now as we kind of close, now we have maybe about five minutes left. Tell the people why you wrote the book, why they should read it, and why it's important for everybody. I uh, in five minutes.
1: <laughs> I think it's important for everybody to read the book because you have to understand where you buy food, where you go to shop what your banking services are gonna look like, what your healthcare is gonna emerge into, um, what happens with shopping, and you know, what happens with education is all about to change. And these changes are gonna happen very quickly. Uh, the speed of change is so fast. I mean, you know, the numbers we use, Marshall, all the time, like 50 million is the sign of mass adoption. It took 75 years for radio to you know, be mass adopted. It took Facebook Live 24 hours. That's the speed where things are being adopted. That's the pace of change. And if we're not paying attention, boom, something could happen, your rights could be gone, your ability to do something you thought mm-hmm. you had could be mm-hmm. taken away. You know, That's your right. ability to actually you know, have some level of you know, service or expectation could all fly away and and you would never know it happened. Um, You'd find out too late before it occurred, just like a lot of things that are happening around the world. I mean, people are making changes without letting you know and then transparency is all gone. And suddenly a few folks are making all those decisions and you no longer have your freedoms.
0: This is so important, Ray. I mean, I, I really don't think your book title says it enough because it's really a way to save the world from fang from the rulers from the people who are trying to not trying who are controlling our lives now and it's very very scary i mean uh, we can talk also about our COVID crisis that we have right now every night on the news and and i just turn it flip on the news before i go to sleep they talk about the numbers and it's climbing and the whole thing and more cases and more cases and then i look at it and i Okay, I talked to the TV, I I confess. And I said, show me the death rate. Okay, Mm -hmm. so three people died. (laughs) Three, three. Okay, there were 1,700 new cases. Okay, but nobody died.
1: Fear mongering (laughs) is ridiculous. I mean, it's like saying... It, the fear is ridiculous. People aren't looking at what we call proportional response, and they're not looking at you know the actual right level of data. So death rate is super important. Case fatality rate is important. Case fatality rate is nil. Right? Vaccines are working. Right? What they're trying to do is force everyone to get a vaccine by scaring them. And if you I need don't one understand you got one, why, go honestly. For go for it. Right? Yeah, Can't I don't
0: understand sense. why.
1: Something What is, is the point?
0: Is it because we have to finance Pfizer? I hope not. <laughs> I I don't know. Well, Pfizer is the only company that did not get a grant at the beginning. I interviewed the CEO of Pfizer and they did not get a grant at the beginning because they wanted full control financial and Mm -hmm. distribution of their drug. So I don't understand the point of forcing everybody at this point. I really, really, it's this
1: push for conformity. It's this push for power and control. The politicians have gotten all like. Giddy with the power they have to shut, you know, small businesses, but leave a Home Depot open. You know, I I mean, you know, I'm not an anti vaxxer I think you should get one if it fits you, and you're right, absolutely. You know, but but that should be your choice. That should be your freedom against it, Um, because if you're vaccinated, you should be safe, right? So it's not like you're causing more damage to someone else, or you're causing other people to get sick. Yeah, there're going to be breakthroughs, right? There's like, but nothing is guaranteed in life.
0: Well, and and the and the, the the CDC would be nice if they got their message straight and it didn't change from month to month.
1: <laughs> you know, conditions do change. I totally understand that. I mean, well, but I mean, like on which mask? Yeah. But I have a master's in public health. So I'll tell so you. So since I'm-
0: you have a master's in public health, several different masks do work and some don't and they keep changing it. Now, which ones should we use at this point in the pandemic?
1: Oh, I think it really depends on what you're susceptible for. If you've got immunocompromised, you're going to want a tougher mask, right? You're going to go back right. to the full but you're K9 every day 95. walking
0: around person who's had a vaccination.
1: Um, you should probably be okay. I mean, the, the data shows that. The people that are getting sick, that are being... It's, it's really a pandemic of the unvaccinated, right? And those are the folks that are getting more severe cases. The but you see, and they've made a choice.
0: They've yeah, made, they've a, made choice. a choice. And they've made and a choice. And this is America. <laughs> this, is this is America. why my parents came to America
1: same because but, but you can make your I choice. Look at flight attendants I, what i really want to know is the f- number of flight <gasps> attendants who get sick and how often they get sick and what happens because that data is more useful because they are massive contact in closed surfaces and closed right? environments all the time and so i don't see flight attendants like all falling off you know like interesting I, I you're, right.
0: you're right you're right that's, my,
1: that's what was my indicator for whether i should travel or not the flight, the flight attendant metric
0: i like it yeah. the flight attendant metric
1: and that's why I get really upset with all those teachers and the teachers unions are like, oh, oh yeah, we can't have this. We need to test every student before they show. But that testing doesn't help. You need to test antibodies. Right. Exactly. So, so exactly. They're, they're because if the you wrong things,
0: if you so. test negatively, 60 minutes later, you could be positive. 60 yeah. minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> <It's like, laughs> we built a whole industry around this.
1: I know, and it's like the big military-industrial complexes. We're going to have to figure out how to wean these before they get too big.
0: Ray, we're going to have to do this again, because do you believe like 45 minutes have passed? What? No (laughs) way! (laughs) way! So I would love to have you back on again, because your theories go so much further than just advising big business. You have a world look that a lot of people don't have, and I think, without overstepping, I'm a first generation American. I, I don't know if you are, but we were taught so many things about how lucky we are and how the system can work here. So maybe it's for the immigrants in America and the oh, first no, generation. Book,
1: okay, well, we have to talk. Immigrant L- values. Immigrant okay, values. can that's I write I'm a chapter
0: about. for you? I mean, this,
1: I'm this is interview. something.
0: I'm. I'm, I'm serious interview. about this. This is a big thing because my mother escaped the nazis my father's side of the family came over at the turn of the century and i have all the documents and the ship manifests and how much money they had when they came over and i know all the stories so it's it's i i got great stories for you but i think you've told some great information to our audience today and i really really want to thank you
1: well thank you everyone thank you for having me really appreciate it
0: So, Paul, I think we're going to sign out right now and say goodbye. And we will see you next week with another installment of Computer and Technology Radio. And I'll see you at Nerdorama News on the iHeartRadio network. Thanks so much for listening. See you next Monday. Bye-bye.